Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Omar L. Harris about ending toxic leadership, leadership 3.0, and servant leadership. Omar L. Harris, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have this chat with you today. You know, as we were talking in the pre-interview, just getting to know each other a little bit, um, you know, I think we have so much shared interest and passion around our main topic, which will be on servant leadership. Today, we're going to be focusing on ending toxic leadership, this idea of leadership 3.0 and servant leadership generally. Um, and really how we can be servant leaders amidst the pandemic and just all of that related um, stuff. Uh, and, and I'm super excited to have that uh, conversation with you. As we get started, I just wanted to share Omar's uh, bio with everyone. Omar L. Harris is an award-winning, best-selling author of four books, Intent Consulting LLC founder and former general manager at GM uh, in Indonesia. With 20 plus years of global pharmaceutical executive experience at Pfizer, Merck, uh, Allergen, and more. As a Gallup certified strengths coach, team leadership thought leader, and entrepreneur, Harris is passionate about leading teams, high performance coaching, and inspiring future leaders today and tomorrow to adopt the servant leader mindset and stop toxic leadership behaviors. Based on building high performance organizations on four continents, Harris shares his team's leadership strategies and success stories in two new books, The Servant's Manifesto in April 2020 and The Leaderboard, The DNA of High Performance Teams in June 2019. While working in corporate startup and entrepreneurial endeavors, Harris developed 20 team performance acceleration principles and a clear blueprint for servant leadership that any leader at any stage of their journey can adopt to improve and accelerate group success. Such a great background, Omar. It's such a, a real pleasure to have you here with me today. Um, any, anything else you would like to share by way of personal background or context with the listeners before we dive on in? Well, I know the bio is a, is a mouthful. <laughs> uh, thank you for reading all that. Um, no, I'm just, a, I'm just a guy from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who had an opportunity uh, early in his career to to live overseas and and really expand my worldview and and had an opportunity at an early age to begin leading leading people and that's where my passion for for servant leadership comes from is understanding the real responsibility of leadership from an early age and then now where I'm at in my career today trying to help other young leaders understand that early on so they can make a positive impact right from the beginning and, and don't be inspired by the wrong examples of leadership 
uh, that we see every day in the halls of, uh, of corporations. Yeah, well, I really like that focus because I do think so many people fall into bad habits or bad behaviors simply because they don't know any different and they're, they're just um, following the examples of what they've seen around them, right? They're, they're looking to those models and then they're trying to replicate it. And they see someone who's been successful in their career, who's risen up the hierarchy, who's in a leadership role, and they think, oh, I should do those things. Um, and, and sometimes you glean you know, good insights from that and you can have good mentors and such. But a lot of times we pick up bad habits. We pick up um, bad approaches to leading people that, as you mentioned, you know, are toxic. And in fact, they, they hurt our ability to be successful as leaders and to be productive and to have people-focused, you know, highly innovative teams. So ca catching people young, catch, you know, as they're new, as they're coming up and helping shape their way of thinking and their expectations for what, you know, what they hope to see from their leaders, but also how they hope to lead. I think that's really, really important. Um, and for whatever reason, long before I ever knew the, the term servant leadership, um, that's something that I just kind of, I think I lucked out um, with the opportunity to be around some people to kind of learn basically the, the fundamentals of the philosophy and the practice, even though I didn't know all the terminology and I didn't know you know, all the background to it. Um, and that's shaped me throughout my life. And so I, I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity early on. It's great that you were working to, to share that with, with people, you know, really at all stages of their journey, including those that are young and just starting out. It's the same for me. I, I, I was very fortunate early in my career to work for servant leaders who really, you know, they were not hierarchical at all they were really focused on development of young talent coming into organization, empowering us, trusting us. And uh, that was something that I wanted to pay forward um, from that point on. That plus, you know, learning about poverty psychology through the strengths, uh, strengths movement with, uh, with Gallup. Um, and then what I was reading, you know, from all the luminaries and all the, you know, the, 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 the pantheon of business leaders, you know, John C. Maxwell, you know, Robert Rath and, and uh, all these guys, so Patrick Lencioni, um, you, you begin to put together a puzzle of a brand of leadership that you don't really see in the, in the corporate world. Like if all the thought leaders are saying, this is what, how leadership should be happening, but you don't see it being exemplified anywhere. You're like, so are the thought leaders wrong or- Where's, where's the disconnect, disconnect right? <laughs> Something is happening. And I think what I realized when I became a, a very senior leader myself was, it is really hard to be tuned in to people all the time when the, when the, when the way you're being measured and what's valued is not uh, people development. What's being valued is only the bottom line or the sales growth or the whatever that, that, that number was. I remember being very disillusioned in, in healthcare companies where we, we didn't talk about patients. You know, we talked about numbers. You know, we never talked about patient impact. And I think that that was where I was like, okay, this is, I'm not going to lead this way. You know, I'm, 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 a, I'm in a healthcare company. I'm in a pharma company and, and we're all about people. We're all about lives. We're all about, you know, uh, how can we prevent disease? How can we do these types of things? So I think that I really tuned into that uh, because I think I was in healthcare as well to allow me to, to kind of uh, inspire my mission and, and purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, that's such an interesting, um, you know, question you raise about, you know, that disconnect and why don't we see more people 
espousing this, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I think even well-intended leaders um, who have every intention to try to be a servant leader, um, assuming you know they, they've had some good models um, to show them you know that kind of a practice and how it can be effective, man, the, the way that most organizations set up reward structures and performance structures and evaluation, it, it, it really, it really um, can put a damper on it really fast, even with the best intentioned people. Uh, and there's no question that, I mean, there's so much research, so much literature that, that shows if you're a servant leader, you're a people-centered um, leader that's, that works on the development of your team, that that will pay over time huge dividends, right? And it, it will produce greater results. You'll have better performance, you'll have more innovation, but it takes time. Um, it produces sustainable high level of performance, but it takes time. And when, when we get measured quarterly and executives feel all that pressure, then you, you start to take shortcuts, right? And you start to focus on, on, on kind of carrot and stick approaches to getting people to do stuff without too much of a concern of even burning them out. Because you're like, eh, if we burn them out, we'll just bring someone new in um, to the team without even thinking about the costs associated with that. So if, if we can get people early to recognize the systems are kind of working against it, they're working against you as a servant leader, but if you can be committed to it, if you can really um, be patient with it and help to develop your people over time, the, the, the results are going to be tremendous and it'll, it'll be well worth the effort uh, initially, you know, the, the effort up front is higher, but over time the, the, you know, there's a curve and it goes down because as you empower your people and you grow your people and you help them to, to um, have autonomy, you know, you, that you'll end up freeing up more of your time over time um, to be able to focus on other people management issues, to focus on big picture strategic issues and all of those sorts of things that a lot of times leaders don't have the time for because they're, constantly running around with like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to put out fires, trying to micromanage people, trying to, you know, squeeze out the last ounce of performance out of somebody so they can meet the the goal or the objective or, you know, the KPI that that's out there, you know, hanging over their head. Well, well the good news is actually, and when I talk about leadership 3.0, this is what I'm talking about is that the, the incentive structures and the what's being valued is shifting beneath our feet right now. So there's a concept of called uh, stakeholder capitalism. I don't know if you've heard this term, but stakeholder capitalism basically is a shift from the traditional me me method of measurement of shareholder capitalism, which is literally companies working for their shareholders to a broader impact base, which is okay, stakeholder capitalism is about employees, about customers, about the community, about the environment, and also about uh, shareholders. So now, leaders are gonna be measured on five different criteria. And you cannot deliver an impact on these five criteria being a top-down hierarchical leader anymore. So naturally, this is going to shift. And the reason why you know, uh, I, I really believe that people should invest in their servant leadership acumen today is because maybe the example, you're, you're, you're seeing the last examples of top-down leadership styles being successful. Um, and if you follow that example, you're not going to be successful 10 years from now. So I think that really trying to help young people understand that this is, this, this landscape is changing. The value structure is changing. And now is the time 
to really invest in servant leadership because it's an idea whose time has come. When it first came out in 1965, Robert Greenleaf was talking about servant leadership. It was, it, the idea wasn't, wasn't ready yet. The world wasn't ready for that idea. It was a great idea, but it wasn't, the world wasn't ready for that idea. But now I think in 2020, where we are today with the pandemic and virtual teams and the way of working and technology and, and the collaboration model, I believe that now the idea, this is an idea whose time has come um, in, in 2020. Well, yeah, certainly back back in the early days of Greenleaf's writing, I think that's absolutely true. But even recently, like it was probably five, six years ago, maybe eh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe 10 years ago, I was having a, a fairly um, passionate, shall we say, energized discussion with an executive um, where, about these types of topics. And, and this particular executive, he, he just really had no use for it. And he's like, this, this is not, I mean, it's nice, it's, but it's pie in the sky kind of stuff. And I shared even like um, uh, one of Greenleaf's earliest writings. And he looked at that and he just scoffed. I mean, he read it a little bit, he scoffed and he's like, this is ridiculous. Like this guy needs to go and like actually lead an organization for a while and he'll throw all of this garbage in the trash can, you know? Now, obviously that's just one person, but the point is like there, there's been a huge shift in over the last 60 years, right? In terms of the nature of work, the type of work people are doing, the, 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 the uh, composition of our economy, all those sorts of things that have, have changed um, the landscape as you alluded to. Um, but we still have holdouts and we still have people who, who are, are very firm and entrenched in kind of an old model and old style. Um, over time though, those, those people are going to um, transition Crazy. out of the workforce. And, and then you have millennials and Gen Z workers who they expect this, right? They, they expect a leader who has their interest at heart, who will treat them with dignity and respect, who will empower them, who will coach them, mentor them, give them regular feedback. These are all attributes of servant leadership and exactly. they're not, they're not going to be satisfied with the old model of work and just like go, go to this job where there's no real defined purpose or meaning, do what people tell you to do because they told you to do it and, mm -hmm. uh, and grind it out, pay your dues. And over time you'll get opportunities. That's not a model that works for the younger generation of workers. They're just, they're going to vote with their feet. They're going to go start their own businesses. They're going to do gig work. And, and companies are going to be um, thrashing, trying to find good talent. Why, why work for you when I can become a YouTube superstar and, and work for myself? Like, so you really have to have a, a different value proposition for, for today's employees. And also, the other reason why the landscape is shifting is we're living in the most heterogeneous workforce in history right now. Different generations, different races, different sexes, different um, gender identification different um, nationalities. So, you know, and it's 60 years ago, 80 years ago, you were managing one or two types of workers who had very similar backgrounds. Now, with the heterogeneity of, of, of the workforce, um, you cannot use a one-size-fits-all approach to, to, um, to the workforce, these people. And that's why what a servant leader does and brings to the table is that individualization, that, that connection with each individual the understanding of the team as a whole, and then the purpose, the higher purpose, which we're all working towards serving. And, and that's what connects people today. And, and this, once again, this is the reason why 
if you think that this top-down toxic leadership style is going to remain, it's not going to. It can't. It can't survive um, uh, because it's, it's just not effective. And we look at surveys like Gallup's employee engagement survey that basically says that only 60% of employees globally are engaged at work. It's not a surprise to me. I'm sure it's not a surprise to you because you can see that if you're trying to use old, um, old leadership practices for modern workforce, this is just not going to work. Well, yeah, and, and you just referenced Gallup, you know, so they talk, they, they, in their research, they talk about the engaged workers, and it's way lower than people would hope, but then they also talk about the actively disengaged workers, yes. right? Yes. And the actively disengaged, that's even worse, because now you have people who are, are mentally checked out, uh, they're like actively looking for other jobs while they're at work, uh, and they're not, they're, they're certainly not producing they're not uh, innovating because they're not invested in any way. And so we, we, we have to do better to, to energize our people, to help them feel passion and mission and meaning in the work that they do. And servant leadership is not the only way to do that, but it's, it's certainly one of the most powerful ways to do it. Uh, in my own research, I, I've done a lot of um, work around uh, meaning and purpose in the workplace and, and work as a calling. Uh, work is an opportunity to um, to benefit society. Uh, these are the things that workers increasingly, the younger generation of workers want, expect, and demand. Um, exactly. and, and we just simply, we can't do it with the old model. Not at all, not at all. So so I think that, that you know, when you, when you talk about the actively disengaged, like imagine like going through life and hating something you're gonna spend over half your life doing. And how aimless that is, you know, and how and how uh, frustrating that must be. So you look at the mental health numbers in society and how depression and anxiety are are up uh, at levels we've never seen before. Um, it's it's all a part of the same same uh, cause causality, and that's why you know leadership is also a calling. Like don't I tell people all the time, don't aspire to leadership for ego driven concern because this is not about you. This is a much bigger responsibility than just serving your ego and feeling good about yourself. This is really about having a positive impact on those around you and learning how to gain your uh, to increase your influence for others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've you've already alluded to it a couple times. Um, so let's go down the path a little bit more about talking about servant leadership in 2020 amidst a pandemic context. Yeah. We, we have increasingly virtual workforce. Um, you know, it's, it's a, the landscape has been shifting anyways, but the pandemic has just accelerated the transition, um, you know, in a lot of ways. So what does it look like today to be a servant leader? That might be different than maybe even a year ago or a couple of years ago. Well, I think a year ago or a couple of years ago, servant leadership was kind of optional. It was another, like you said before, there's a multiple ways to approach uh, building high-performance teams and building organizations and serving purpose. There's not just one way to do that. Um, but now with virtual working, I think that it's not, it's, it, it has to be in every manager's toolbox today. Because why? You can't micromanage virtual teams. The only way to succeed with a virtual team is to empower, trust, and support. 
And if you don't already have that mindset of supporting my people, which is, which is paramount to working in a certain leadership context, you're going to have a lot of challenges with, uh, with the pandemic. This is why we're hearing so many people checking out over, you know, Zoom, incessant Zoom calls um, at all hours of the day, people working harder now than ever before because their managers are on them trying to figure out what they're doing all day long because the manager is like, okay, I got to monitor my people and I can't just go to their cubicle or workstation and, and see what they're doing anymore. I have to like text them, bombard them with text messages and have Zoom calls every hour to monitor people's work. And no one's working. People are just on Zoom calls having incessant, you know, circular uh, uh, conversations all day long. So it used to be something you could apply uh, if you if you needed to that might accelerate your performance. Now it's a must have uh, set of, and, and you know, don't get past the term servant leadership. It's really about the behaviors, you know, empowerment, trusting, supporting, developing, nurturing these these behavioral aspects of manager of, of managing people uh, and connecting with people is really what we're talking about when we say servant leadership that's why it's more important now than ever before to begin to shift your behaviors towards more empowering behaviors that are really going to drive productivity virtually because you know working uh working in the current status quo is not gonna not gonna really help get that done yeah, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, perhaps you can share a little bit from your own work history. Uh, you know, you, you've been in executive roles in pretty high profile positions at big corporations. That's not always the context where servant leadership works particularly well, um, yes. but it can. And, and tell us a little bit more about what you did and how you tried to um, to create an environment where the, where that style could work and where people could feel empowered uh, through your leadership. Well, I learned early on that purpose is much more powerful than myself. So I learned, you know, having a purpose, having an inspiring mission is so much more powerful than looking up to one person and being like, I want to work, I want to do this for this person, you know, you know, you know, win one for the Gipper, that whole <laughs> mindset doesn't really uh, exist anymore. There are those inspiring leaders you just want to work for and just you really believe in them, but it's not enough to connect every person to purpose. And when I became a general manager, this is what I learned is because you have a sales force who's inspired by numbers. You have a marketing organization, which is also trying to drive the numbers, but everybody else, you know, finance, HR, legal, IT, regulatory, all these other functions, numbers really don't drive them that way. And I realized very quickly that we had to, it was in Indonesia uh, with a, an organization of over 900 employees, that that wasn't going to cut it. Plus my leadership team was operating in silos. There was like Game of Thrones when I arrived there, really like different, the kingdom of HR and the kingdom of compliance, <laughs> the kingdom of regulatory. It was um, uh, very challenging. So I, I really, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to break down the silos and I wanted to create an, an overall, a purpose that everybody could connect to in the organization. So we had a three-day offsite. And at the offsite, I worked with the leadership team to define our overarching purpose, which is bigger than just hitting numbers. The numbers will be a consequence of achieving our purpose. So the idea was, if we became the best place to work with the highest uh, customer, uh, customer uh, uh, effectiveness, with the best digital technology, with the greatest reputation in the industry, the numbers will be a natural consequence of that. 
and I created four leadership committees with different, you know, uh, groups of leaders working together to create a, uh, uh, create a purpose statement for their particular pillar of the mission and then drive that down to the organization. And that connected the entire or company behind this overall mission and purpose. Now, as you mentioned before, it was the first two years of this were quite challenging. My numbers didn't look great in the first two years. But by the end of the third year, we'd grown 15%, our, our net sales and our profits had grown 30%. So, which was one of the best results in the region I was working in. But if you were to just measure me in the middle of this journey, you would have been like, oh, you know, Omar sucks as a general manager. When in reality, all oh, we were playing the long game. And, and we delivered uh, significant returns uh, in that long game for a variety of stakeholders beyond just uh, the finance guys in the organization. So that's one example, live living it, where I applied purpose to the organization, broke down silos, and then uh, began to shift what I value because your managers will value what you value. So if you get the opportunity to be a general manager or, or be a manager of managers of managers, which I was, you have the opportunity to create a culture. And when you create culture, culture is more powerful than, than, than anything else in, in business. If you, you know, they say culture is strategy for breakfast. So I think that, that that's where certain leadership is about a culture, creating a set of norms and a creative values that everybody can connect with and then, and then driving that forward. Yeah, well, thank you for that example. I, I, I think that's wonderful. It takes courage to play the long game, doesn't it? Because I'm sure you're getting, in, in those first two years, you're getting a lot of pressure, <laughs> um, both internally and externally, probably, um, and people you report to. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people believe in your approach and they, they're willing to let you play the long game and they're going to kind of have your back. But more often than not, they're not going to have your back. And so you just have to be courageous and step out into the unknown and be willing to, to try out and be consistent with and, and, and to create this sustainable kind of a culture that you're describing. And it does pay off, whether it takes a couple years um, or whatever, the, depending on the circumstances, the context, it, it will pay off because you're going to get the right people who align with the mission. Um, you're going to get people who want to be there. They're going to have better interactions with all the key stakeholders and with the customers. Um, and ultimately, it's just going to produce much better results if we can be committed to the long game. And the other thing that was cool about this was the culture actually weeded out people who couldn't lead in that culture. So basically, leaders who didn't fit that mindset, who couldn't lead in this way, they had to lead the organization. Yeah, they so self-select out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it, it self-selects people out. They couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't want to be in that environment. They wanted to be top down and command and control and that was not my style at all. So they knew that they were going to have to leave. So that was really, uh, I, I never had to fire anybody. <laughs> People just uh, left on their own um, due to that. But, but yeah, to give an example of a practical example, the kind of things you may face in this as well is I can recall, you know, I'm, I'm very empowering of my leadership team. And there was a, a conference call where I'd empowered my business unit director to be on that call and handle this. We were in the middle of a middle of a, a little of a crisis. And I wasn't on the call because I had empowered my business director to be on this call. And my boss was like, why weren't you on the call? I said, well, because so-and-so was on the call. <laughs> so what, why do I need to be on the call as well? Well, in this organization, we want everybody to be, you know, you, you participating is, is a paramount to, uh, to being active and engaged. I said, that's not really a definition of, of engagement, but if you want to ding me for that, that's totally fine. Um, 
and you take those hits because at the end of the day, it you playing once again. I, I don't work for uh, anyone in the organization. I work for my people, and I set that bar. So I, I that's who I'm working for. I'm very clear on that uh, in all of my jobs. I'm not working for my boss. I'm trying to make my boss look good. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about my people who I manage and, and the people that they manage and really driving value ultimately to the customer. Uh, and I know that that really works. And I've seen that happen in a variety of different contexts around the world. So I stick with it. Is it hard? Yes, but it's very, very, the returns are, are amazing when you can, when you can be courageous enough, as you mentioned, to stick with it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Omar, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. The time has flown and we're almost to the end of our time together today. Um, perhaps I can have you back on at some point so we can continue the discussion. Uh, before, we end, before we end though, I just wanted to make sure I gave you the last word, um, give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you uh, and share anything else uh, that you would like to share before we close. Well, thank you very much. Once again, I really enjoyed this conversation. It's, it's great to be uh, talking uh, to like-minded individuals and to know that there is a coalition of us out here trying to make this uh, status quo change uh, happen so that we think we can't get enough of us. We need, we need a lot more of us out here doing this. So it's been a pleasure to, to speak with you. Um, on my side, you can reach me on uh, the best way is my website, www.omarlharris.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, um, but if you type in Omar L. Harris, you'll find me on most, on Google, you'll find, you'll find my, my social medias uh, uh, immediately. I've got, as I mentioned, two books out, The Servant Leaders Manifesto on Amazon and Leaderboard, the DNA of High Performance Teams. I recommend you pick those two up um, because it will help accelerate your journey to what we're talking about right now. If you read Leaderboard, uh, you don't have to read 30 other books. You can read that one book and it'll really get you up to speed on where we are today. And if you read The Servant Leaders Manifesto, you will then begin to understand why this is so important uh, and the mission of what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going to eliminate toxic leadership practices and why that's so crucial for us to be to do that um, together uh, as managers and leaders and organizations uh, around the world today. So thank you very much and, and look forward to hopefully having another conversation with you. Excellent, excellent. Well, I, I really appreciate the t your time and, and the conversation we've had. I, I hope listeners will reach out, get connected with Omar, find out more about what he can do for you, check out his books. And as always, I hope everyone stays healthy and safe. I hope you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.